Hey, man. Hey, Joshua. <laughs> so, Joshua wrote me into this, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do something different. Exactly. Let's do something different. Um, thank you for inviting me to do a dialogical sermon. I mean, what is that? Well, so oftentimes, you know, when we're doing sermons, yeah. we like have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. We like craft things. Yeah. This type of sermon is like, let's read the passage, which we just did. We did. And then like, let's talk about it. That's right. Sounds good. Before we talk and jump into topics, should we pray? Yes. Would you pray? I'd love to. Yeah. Holy One, thank you for the day that you unleashed your spirit on God's people. We pray that your spirit be in our hearts and in our minds and especially on our tongues this day. In your amazing and wonderful name. Amen. What do you think? Uh, the, ooh, um, I had a lot of thoughts. Yeah. A lot of thoughts. Um, so I was really inspired. Last week you heard Mina one of our senior servants throw down the challenge to the church yeah. to talk about the apocalypse more. Yeah. And I was like, she's right. We don't really talk about the apocalypse. And then in our passage this week, we get apocalyptic text right in the middle of it. <laughs> Knock like, and the door will be open. So I have spent the, this past week in the language of apocalyptic literature, especially in the prophet Joel, yeah. uh, in anticipation for our conversation, but also to, to help think about uh, the good news. Is there good news in apocalyptic literature, mm. especially since that's what Nina had just asked us about? Yeah. What about you? Yeah, well, I like that, you know, apocalypse is so weird because... <laughs> apocalypse is so weird. Yes. Like, on the one hand, you want the Bible to be relatable, mm-hmm. you know, like see yourself in the passage. But on the other hand, when you get to the apocalypse literature, if you can relate to the apocalypse literature, like things are not going well. <laughs> we got Joshua. That's not okay because I was reading this literature and the prophet Joel and they're like, oh my gosh, creepy. Um, it, About like finding things. Uh, the parallels. So um, in particular, a little background, the prophet Joel, uh, they don't know exactly when, uh-huh. It was written because the the conflict that he's really talking about is um, ecological. Oh. So there is a giant windstorm that he's referring to, and a plague of locusts. And Whoa. so the dra- the trauma that he is dealing with with his people is ecological, largely in nature. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so to say that there's like so what I was thinking was like plague of locusts, check, <laughs> ecological threats threatening uh, the future of humanity, check, and, and yeah. Joel is interesting because um, the, the commentators were saying it's not that there was like this crazy crisis in the way that Israel has known really traumatic, violent, it, it was environmental, the environmental stress was really, wow. um, he, yeah. he drew the connection between the environment and the end times and God's revealing uh-huh. um, and so okay. it's really interesting for for where we stand right now yeah as um, maybe we should maybe we should listen a little bit um, so so yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't that far off <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and that fits really well so I was looking a lot at the like first half of the 
long passage, you know, <laughs> and the the spirit descending um, and the language that that. Um, the author connects with the end with the apocalypse the fire and also we see the fire in the beginning you know with the the, the, the fire descending landing on the tongues you know and I just I love the images I love how provocative the Bible is with its images you know and using so like we want to talk about the Holy Spirit how do we talk about it <laughs> yeah. and here the, the images are all like fire you yeah. know and in the beginning it's um, not like destructive, but the the language that's that's reflected in the people who are watching, it's like bewildered. Um, they don't know what's going on. I mean, there's like four or five different adjectives for like what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and so that to me is like also connected with the the theophany. The like when God is present, it seems to me that oftentimes when we think about God being present, things become clear. <laughs> you know, yeah. but here it has the exact opposite effect. Yeah. God shows up, and people are like, either it's God or they're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like the best response ever from Peter, like it might be drugs later in the day, <laughs> not, 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 not in the morning. You can be sure <laughs> it's God. <laughs> but it made me think, and here's what, like you thinking a lot about um, Joel, the, the question that like really became present to me is like, what is the spirit? Like so often in the history of Christianity, the spirit is like the third wheel of the yeah. Trinity. <laughs> like we love to talk about God almighty and we love to talk about Jesus. And then like, how does the spirit work into it? What do you like? So thinking about ecological crisis, how do, how do you think, what, what is the spirit? Ooh. Well, that's a good question. Um, so true story. Um, I, I come from a, the, the Pentecostal tradition where the spirit is not the third leg, <laughs> okay. but you yeah. would think was like God the Father, like the pinnacle, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. um, and so, so having a, I still feel that the Holy Spirit um, speaks to me and how I experience her is a tingle in the back of my leg. Really? Not gonna lie. So if I if I'm on the right track, I feel like I'll get sort of like a tingling sensation in my joints. Uh -huh. Which which could be my mind playing tricks on me. But um but what it does is it makes me quiet and try to wait and hear if like there's any tingles. Mm. So that's the personal um experience of, yeah. of the spirit. Like yeah. she, she is someone I have to lean into to pay attention to. Mm. Um, but I, I, the challenge that you just asked, that question of God shows up and people get more confused, I, I, I'm really, I really appreciate you, you pushing back on, on me trying to domesticate them. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting for God to like affirm, oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're good. Yeah. And that's just like that. That's just feel goodism, um, and that's like the opposite of the apocalyptic literature, which uh -huh. is um, so. So we often assume, like the culture, apocalypse is about end times, but that's actually we know eschatology. Uh -huh. Eschatology is about the end times. Apocalypse, that word in itself has nothing to do with end times. It means revealing, un uh -huh. uncovering. 
right? Yeah. And so you're, you're getting against it, this like sense of like bewildered and at the same time of revealing and uncovering. And it's, if God is at work, <laughs> then that means it's not that obvious to us because we're humans. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm really loving these, the way you're really capturing this tension right now. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to tie this into like ecology. I think that's so cool. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot since our adult forums. Yeah, the the the, the question about spirit um, to me got me like going down this path of like you know the that Pentecost happens at the end of the story of Jesus, right? Like Jesus has ascended, and then he's like, "I'm going to send you the Spirit." Um, um, but at the beginning of like the church, you know, yeah. and you know, I I have uh, always this kind of rebellious like, but why do we need it? You know, like <laughs> we had, you know, so the like the story is Jesus is God, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, and so like if Jesus is God, I always think like what like what what more do we need? <laughs> right? Yeah. So like at the end of the story, Jesus is like ascended to heaven. They've got the word. I mean, not just that they have the words, they have like God's presence. Mm-hmm. How how did God react to a woman who was sick? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like we know. Took time to like be present with her mm-hmm. and to heal. And by that, like the whole community is healed, you know? And so again, it's like, well, so what's the spirit have, you know? And to me, I wonder, like just my kind of my wondering is if Jesus was afraid, or not not afraid, but like Jesus could see into the future and was like, they're gonna I like that word domestic, they're gonna try to domesticate me. <laughs> you know? They're gonna be like we know all the right words now. We've got it sealed. Game over. Yeah. And so Jesus is like, send the spirit, and the spirit is going to stir the pot. <laughs> like, we need this mechanism. Yeah. We need this mechanism that nobody thinks that if you just read the Bible, you've got it figured out. Yeah. We have to pray. <laughs> we have to invoke the spirit into, like, our personal lives, but the community, right? Yeah. And, and, don't worry, because when the spirit is really there, things are going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. right? It's like permission to like lean into like crazy town yeah. or disruptive or however you want to talk about it. Oh, I love that. Because like, if you think about it, if, if the Holy Spirit was trying to, to simplify, mm-hmm. then hypothetically, they would all be speaking one language and they'd all be understanding the common language. Yeah. But instead, the Holy Spirit doesn't appear in one language. She, and the people are speaking dozens of languages. Yeah. It's almost like there's a sense of like reinforcing that that sense of it's, it's going to sound cacophonous and on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we hadn't talked about the other language as part of the story. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, so yes, you can imagine them, the disciples saying like, do the new people need to learn Hebrew <laughs> or Aramaic or Greek or whatever? But like, is it about replicating our culture into them, you know, or is it about something else? Yeah. And yeah. So to me, yeah, again, part of the Pentecost is about the ever expanding circle of disruption. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're not trying to turn people more into us. Like the, the whole, you know, it starts with 
the incarnation, right? And, yeah. so, and so God becomes, a, Jesus is a life. Like we look to a life and God incarnate, which is wild among as a monotheistic religion, because mm-hmm. we're the only monotheistic religion who says that that divinity and humanity can coexist at the same time. Yeah. And then that, that sense of real relevance, incarnational, it's like incarnational language. I mean, the Holy Spirit incarnates mouths and tongues are doing wild things, speaking languages they don't know. There is this, this real sense of like, God is always about where are you right now? And it doesn't have to make sense in any sense of the word, but God is not confined to our boxes mm. or not even confined to our pretty because I yeah. imagine it's it was frightening and maybe it sounded just nuts yeah just nuts. right <laughs> okay so I've, I've been trying to like put together the spirit as disruptor uh-huh. lady disruptor, lady disruptor. <laughs> and the kind of ecological stuff mm-hmm. what about this because I had I was really struggling with how to fit the first half of this story mm-hmm. with the second half yeah. It almost seems to me like maybe the, the, the glue that holds them together is this like this almost ethical impulse, you know, like the, the spirit training us to like look out for creation and also with the different languages. Like it's not just it's an expanding thing, which is something like the apostles are debating all throughout Acts, you know, what what are the requirements for the Gentiles? And the Spirit, like, so yeah, t- to me, like, so close to our conversation is this, like, um, the ethical nature of our faith, uh, or the religious, I don't know exactly the right words, do you, can you help me out with that one? <laughs> I don't know if I can help you, because I went yeah. in a completely different direction. Okay, okay, good, good. Um, and part of it is, it's like, when you get to apocalyptic literature, there is, there is a sense of hands in the air. Like, God's going to do what God's going to do. Yeah. And so, apocalyptic literature is the human need to, like, try to give language to that which we, which is beyond our realm, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so the realm of God, like ultimately God's purposes and God's design, mm. we, we at some point have to be like, we trust that God is gonna make, um, because a big part of, of, this, of apocalyptic literature is duality, right? And okay. so you have, you have truth on one side and injustice on the other side. Uh-huh. And God is always on the side of truth, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, um, and they're like, duality is in all of it. And so, so we get this really like violent um, blood and fire and smokiness, right? You get that, that dark imagery because it's truth literally trying to overcome injustice. Mm. And so part of me is like, well, I don't know if I want to jump to the realm of ethical action because uh-huh. then it makes it like, we're the ones who are going to get rid of injustice by behaving. Uh-huh. And we've already had this incredible language about tr- the dis- lady disruptor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, in our polite Western, uh, we, w- we want to we make it like all neat and tidy. And I'm, I'm, the Pentecost is inviting us to like, no, you're gonna have to live with just like 
it might not make sense and it might not make sense until we get to the other side of like yeah life um, yeah the realm of the holy and yeah so i'm i'm just like floating in the sea of like i don't know <laughs> like because truth is paramount truth is paramount so what about this we don't know how to solve the ecological crisis no, right. not me. <laughs> <laughs> me and you, we don't. we don't. Maybe someone does. We're all in, please. <laughs> but like, you know, there's this impending, how much will the seas rise? What do we need, like what firm steps do we need to take? Yeah. So I wonder if part of it is like, part of our resistance to dealing with that is that we want to understand it. Like we want it to be in like discernible bits where if we do this, then we can do that. Yeah. Like if we pass... The, if we go back to the Paris Common Accords, everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. and that probably isn't right. But so it's like we have to hold on to this higher truth, yeah. which is way hard. I mean, it's, it's not going to be like a, a, a bunch of rules, translations. No. But like we commit ourselves to that thing, which hopefully must like transform our lives. You know, as you're talking, um, I, I got this image of like. Um, of us, the, the Pentecost story, like the location of the miracle was in actual human mouths, right? Like mm. God needed human bodies for that place, that encounter. And as you're talking about um, ecological devastation and, and how do we fix it, there is a sense of like, we can look at the Pentecost story of like the partnership, mm. that like the Holy Spirit needed human mouths for God's presence to sort of to, to make itself so palpable and undeniable. Yeah. I'm sure like God's presence is everywhere. Yeah. Right? Like that, the, the Holy Spirit didn't need to use human mouths, but wanted to. Yeah. Or wanted to. And so when, when we come to um, the environment and thinking about this partnership, I, I just, I'm really excited about that idea. Thanks so much for joining us in this very experimental sermon. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you and to join in the conversation online and uh, soon to be in person. Christ peace. <laughs>